Hi, and welcome to another episode of NAC Health Center News. This is Marisol Murphy-Ballantyne. Um, this week is National Public Health Week, which is a really great celebration of all the various things that um, we do in our health system um, around public health. And joining us today is Amy Simmons, NAC's Communications Director, and Dorian Wanzer, Grassroots Advocacy Manager for Outreach and Communications at NAC. Thanks for joining me, ladies. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So we kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about National Public Health Week and the different daily themes that are happening this week and how community health centers throughout history have sort of contributed to the nation's public health. So ladies, tell me a little bit about how community health centers started and why public health has always been sort of ingrained in what they do. Well, what always strikes me and what I always tell people about community health centers when they started out more than 50 years ago was they weren't setting out just to um, provide access to care or to prevent illness, but they were also there to address the very facts, um, the very um, factors that may cause illness, environmental factors such as lack of nutrition, which was uh, quite an important issue in rural Mississippi in the mid-1960s when health centers started out. In fact, part of the legend is that Dr. Jack Geiger uh, was writing prescriptions uh, for groceries because that was his prescription for um, the uh, lack of nutrition that was found in families during that time. And since then, health centers have carried on that tradition by um, looking beyond the medical chart um, to look at the things that may make people sick, whether it's poverty, uh, stress, uh, poor mental health, um, lack of exercise, obesity, all those things. Definitely. Yeah, and I would also say uh, health centers were born out of the civil rights movement. I think a big piece of it is social justice. I think when you uh, think about being healthy, you uh, also should think about equity. And I think community health centers bridge the gap for many people who may not uh, have you know, equity in health care and, and gives them the opportunity to receive quality care um, at an affordable cost. Yeah, so the, f- the first uh, actual day, April 2nd, which is Monday, is, is behavioral health. And NAC recently released this um, great report on what health centers are doing now to sort of raise the stakes in, in substance abuse disorder treatment and, and um, bolstering services for behavioral health. So can uh, one of you guys share a little bit about that? Well, it's interesting. The report highlighted this, the great work that health centers do in integrating their services and by integrating, uh, making um, behavioral health um, part of primary care. And, a, and so as a patient, how you would experience that is when you go into a community health center, um, you're not just screened for um, poor oral health or um, a, a, a specific health condition. You're also getting a mental health check. Um, and a lot of health centers are using this and incorporating this into their settings. Um, for opioid addiction, um, what that means is a lot of health centers are looking at what may cause, um, what are the factors in opioid addiction, um, such as pain management or poor mental health. And um, addiction is treated as a chronic health condition. Um, it is something that requires a continuum of care and coordinated care because if you are suffering from a substance abuse disorder, um, chances are there are other factors at play as well that uh, other health conditions that need to be addressed, um, 
whether it is um, trauma, uh, homelessness, diabetes, uh, poor oral health, those conditions are being addressed as well in an integrated set. And, and just to add a little bit to that, in 2016, community health centers provided 9.6 million visits for behavioral health, including mental health and substance abuse, which is a huge number, and it's just continuing to explode and grow. Tuesday is communicable diseases, and of course we all know that um, health centers have a great record in offering preventative services. Can Doreen, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. Um, health centers have always been at the forefront of providing preventative services and health screenings, so um, I think that day focuses a lot on, you know, preventing disease transmission and helping people, you know, get the testing they need so they know what they need to do. So I think health centers um, have obviously played a huge role in that and uh, continue to provide those services pretty readily. I know that during our big week, uh, which is National Health Center Week every August, um, one of the one of the kind of highlights of that week is health centers providing screenings not only to their staff, but to children in the community who are going back to school and other people who just need general, you know, general checkups and screenings for blood pressure, things of that nature. But I think this day is focusing more on, you know, transmission with, you know, STDs and and things of that nature, which health centers have also uh, been very active in as well. The great thing about community health centers is they uh, also provide a great deal of health education for their patients. And we should also note that health centers are run, the centerpiece of the way they are operated is they are run by patient majority uh, governing boards. They must have a 51% patient majority in order to receive federal funding. And what this does is it really affects the way um, resources are used to treat um, health conditions in the community. And sometimes those can be community communicable diseases that are unique to communities. Um, we've heard about um, MRSA outbreaks, for instance, in communities, and because these patient majority boards are very members of the community, they understand from the bottom up how best to respond to public health threats such as that. The other one that's really interesting is um, Wednesday, they're sort of celebrating environmental health. And this is kind of an interesting topic because sometimes um, we don't, while we think of health, we may not look outside of, you know, what's happening physically and mentally to what's happening around us in the environment. Um, But there are certainly examples of health centers who have taken a big role in their community to um, address all these environmental factors. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? That's an excellent point, Marisol. Um, I always um, am on the lookout um, for stories about this because I think it really illustrates um, the health center's emerging role in responding to um, public health threats. Um, A great example um, that we wrote about not long ago was um, uh, 16th Street Community Health Center in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. Um, Lead paint remains the leading cause of lead poisoning in Milwaukee, um, and children are especially at risk, um, and it can cause a a number of symptoms, decreased bone and muscle growth, poor muscle coordination, development and speech and language problems, development delays. Um, and much worse. And so 16th Street has a great partnership with the Wisconsin Department of Public Health and uh, the Department of Health Services. And they um, have a bilingual community outreach program where they're visiting homes and letting people know about the dangers of lead paint, um, doing screenings and making sure, um, particularly people who live in the city's south side where there are older homes um, and uh, deteriorating lead paint. 
Um, so they also provide free testing for um, elevated um, blood levels to children all under the age of six, which is critical. Um, so that's just one example of how health centers are responding to public health threats in communities. We've heard of other ones, for instance, in Flint, Michigan, um, where the lead water in the um, public water supply has led to a real crisis in that community, and health centers on the ground there have been responding to that as well. And it's not over, by the way. Flint, um, Michigan still does have a lead water problem, even though we probably don't hear about it as often. Yeah, I would totally uh, just echo what Amy said. Uh, the Flint uh, water crisis is still very much alive and well, but the Michigan Primary Care Association and Direct uh, Relief have worked together and identified two health centers in that area to you know, provide testing and to make sure that you know, there's outreach and mental health services for those people who are struggling with that crisis. And so moving on to Thursday, injury and violence prevention. I think community health centers, again, are sort of ahead of the game here. We've certainly heard of a lot of health centers now working in uh, human trafficking, you know, um, uh, asking the right questions during primary care visits about, you know, that would raise red, red flags about whether or not this person is at risk for human trafficking or experiencing human trafficking. And we're also hearing now more about health centers who are working with children who are experiencing trauma. So, Dorian, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would say that, you know, many uh, community health centers are serving, you know, populations that may be in areas or neighborhoods that are subject to violence. And, you know, that could be gun violence, you know, perhaps domestic violence, a number of things. I think that health centers are on the forefront of of kind of being that second home for, for many people to to come and, you know, either get, you know, that care that they need, you know, physically for, you know, any injuries that they've sustained or, you know, mental health services. I think when, um, you know, we look at uh, violence in general, as we've seen in the news recently, it is a public health issue and it makes you kind of question, you know, uh, you know what people are thinking and what they're going through. So I, I, I know and I've, I've seen it kind of um, firsthand, you know, health centers not only being a space to get, you know, medical care, but also just being a, a space where people can talk about, you know, those issues and, and some of the, you know, traumatic events that, you know, that have occurred. Well, I, you know, you mentioned Asian Health Services in California, and I think the work that they do in um, treating and detecting victims of uh, human trafficking is just groundbreaking. Um, and I was recently privileged to visit one of the sessions that they had um, to educate other community health centers about how best to uh, give uh, these victims the help they need and the interventions they need. Um, not everybody who needs help wants it. So it was a very thoughtful session about asking the right questions and making ensuring that patients feel safe because very often um, victims of human trafficking you know, have experienced, um, you know, psychological manipulation where they feel um, they're endangered, even if the person um, with whom, who is putting them in human trafficking, who is victimizing them, may not be around. Um, so they did a great talk also about how to spot the real signs of human trafficking, um, the abuse signs, which are often hidden to the human eye. And um, so this is another great example of health centers um, really being at the forefront of understanding what is apparently a, you know, a very persistent and growing problem in the United States, particularly among you know, uh, refugees and um, children in the foster care system and also teen runaways. So those are things to consider 
uh, about the work that health centers do. Yeah, and I just uh, just wanted to add, you know, I, in a recent conversation about human trafficking with um, Dr. Chang from uh, Asian Health Services, um, it was interesting because she did say, you know, ultimately everyone is at risk. So it's just a matter of asking those right, those questions correctly and then sort of getting, okay, this person is at risk and our job is sort of to just to treat them um, and give them the right resources. But like you were saying, sometimes they don't, you know, they, they don't want the they help. don't want that. Yeah. So, um, and I think community health centers, because they're in the community, and like you were mentioning, the the board, you know, having a local board, it's, it's sort of a good place to start gaining the trust of some of those people who are at risk or who are being human trafficked. So, I think that's great work. Um, and so finally, Friday is all about advocating for everyone's right to a healthy life. And obviously, health centers have been doing that for over 50 years now. I, I want Dorian to take it away because Dorian is, is the advocator here. She does it. <laughs> she does it well. <laughs> sure. Um, so community health centers provide care uh, to 27 million people across the United States. And there are over uh, 10,000 sites nationwide. So we've got a huge network. And within that network, we have uh, an, uh, the Health Center Advocacy Network. And uh, we, in that, that group, which is about 175,000 strong, um, we're pushing to make sure that policies are in place that will protect community health and allow people to continue to get the care that they deserve and that they have a right to. Um, so uh, in terms of our advocacy here at NAC, I encourage anyone listening, if you're not already, to sign up and to become a part of the Health Center Advocacy Network. You can go to hcadvocacy.org backslash join and from there you'll be able to get updates uh, there's a weekly Washington update which provides kind of scope of the policy news that has come out that week and then of course you'll get calls to action and advocacy updates um, and there are a ton of programs that we have um, in our wheelhouse that allow you to be a better advocate and also institute advocacy at, at your health center. So, you know, we are all about advocacy. So ensuring the right to health and the right to a community health center care is something that's very important. Those are excellent points, Dorian. I Going back to what we were talking about, the role of health centers as trusted stewards of the community, that's an important role in ensuring the right to health because uh, people um, have to be able to trust their providers and... Um, and the care that they're receiving. And health centers not only offer great care, they provide care that is as good as or better than what you would find in private practice. They're also accountable. I mean, health centers report what they do in, 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 to make sure that they're doing their jobs right, and they report it to the Federal Oversight Agency, the Health Resources and Services Administration. If you want to see how your health center does, you can go online and look um, how they do in generating um, positive patient outcomes. They also continue to find new ways to deliver care. One exciting way to ensure the right to health is through uh, telehealth and more than half, about 57% of health centers have begun using telehealth in their delivery of care for a variety of things including behavioral health but uh, to manage diabetes, hypertension, um, and for patients who can't travel or who live in remote and rural areas um, which is critical to ensuring the right to health care. 
Great, ladies. So that's uh, wonderful to hear about health centers, and I'm happy that you guys were able to join me to talk a little bit about health centers and public health. We look forward to celebrating National Public Health Week. Yay! Um, so we hope to have some interesting stuff on, on social media. So if you're following us, look for that. If you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you do at NACHC. Also, you can follow Advocacy at... HC Advocacy. Follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow um, HC, HC Advocacy on Twitter as well so you're staying up to date with both NAC's uh, updates and advocacy's efforts. Music by Ben Sound, www.bensound.com.